Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Church at Home. Uh, great to be together this way, and I trust you've had a good week. Um, so grateful just to be caught up by the President the other evening. At least we know a little bit more of where we're going. Um, I trust it's been a good week for you, but what you can do is right now in the comments, you can just reach out to us, maybe say hello to someone you see there. Uh, we would love to be able to pray for you. So if you have a prayer request, you can just shoot it in the comments. Uh, leaders, elders, deacons are standing by to pray with you as the meeting continues. Um, or if you're not happy, if you don't want to put it publicly, then just shoot it out to us on a text or give us a call. Uh, our leaders would love to be praying for you. And uh, so I trust you're doing well and uh, are ready to go this morning. So when I was in high school, uh, we had an Irishman for an English teacher. He was ex-military. He ran the school hostel. And so you can imagine, I'm sure, what our English lessons were like. Uh, it felt like we were being taught English in an entirely different language. And one of the things that I remember, we had this set work called The Loneliness of a Long Distance Runner. If you're the same era as me, you might remember it. It's apparently a work of literature. Back in those days, man, we hated every minute of it. But today it has taken on a bit more meaning. It's the story of a teenage boy called Colin who comes from the poor side of town. He has an unfortunate childhood and he is caught stealing from the local bakery. They arrest him and they put him into juvenile detention. Now, when the warden notices him and sees that he's a runner, he puts pressure on him to perform for the reformatory in the athletics competition that's coming up. This uh, warden is so desperate to improve his own reputation that he even offers Colin a shorter sentence if he will just win the race and put the reformatory's name on the map. And so when the day arrives, Colin is trained and the, the race begins and Colin sets out, he runs, and uh, very quickly as the race develops, we see that uh, he is clearly in the lead. A gap de uh, develops between the second place uh, boy and Colin, and he's an obvious uh, easy win is on the cards. And all alone, as we continue to read, and the bulk of the story uh, takes up what goes on in his mind and his heart as he runs on his own. Uh, he wrestles with his conscience and how he should run this race. Obviously the drama is great and we read along as he gets close to the finish line and we're expecting him to make an easy one, maybe even set a record. But as he gets to the finish line, Far ahead of everyone else, he suddenly stops, short of taking the win. And he waits and he allows even the slowest runners to pass him before he slowly crosses the line. And in the book, this is for Colin an act of defiance against those in power who are using him for their own agenda. But you know what? Sadly, as much as he spots the warden, he still loses the race himself. And his opportunity to, so to shorten his sentence and get on with the rest of his life goes with that failure. I wonder if you've ever been in a situation like that, where you feel all alone, you're having to make decisions about how you're going to run your race, and uh, it might affect your heart, your conscience, it might even affect your future. I wonder if you felt in a similar position, wrestling with how to handle the moment. You know, when Colette and I started scouting out Kating, when we felt God was calling us to come uh, to this province and to move and follow His call, uh, man, it took a while for us to figure out how the 
freeway system worked. We didn't have GPS on our phones 12 years ago. And uh, so eventually we became quite good at finding the right freeway, but often going in the wrong direction. You must know when you're traveling from Edenville to Bedford View, and the next thing you see is a signboard saying so many kilometers to Bloemfontein, uh, panic sets in. You might be on the right road, but you're definitely on the wrong track. And so you could say that our driving was flawless, but finishing the journey is far more important. So last week we began our two-part series on runner and we, so we asked ourselves how our race how is our race i asked you three questions i asked you what knocks us off track what keeps us running and then i asked you to use this corona crisis this opportunity to check your course that it might be a wonderful opportunity to reset and make sure we're running on the right track running the right race and doing it well you know, someone said that we can spend our whole life trying to climb the corporate ladder or advance up the social ladder. And then one day when we get to the top of the ladder, we realize this ladder is leaning on the entirely the wrong wall. We better be careful with where we're running our race. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says it like this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you and I will not grow weary and lose heart. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and he puts it this way in verse 24. He says, Do you not know that all the runners run, but only one gets a prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. I want to say to you this morning that every one of us, whether we feel it to be true or not, are running a race. Just like Colin and the loneliness of the long distance runner, uh, he was forced into a race, and you might not have, uh, might not be running a race of your choosing, but nevertheless, you are running a race. We are all running the race, and Paul encourages the Corinthians and us that we should run in such a way as to win the prize. I want to say to you this morning, don't give up. Don't get distracted. Don't look at someone else's race. Run your race. Run it well. Run it to the end. Verse 25 says, everyone who competes goes into the games uh, in strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. This life is not just about the, this world. That you and I, the way we run our race, will cause us to win a crown that will have everlasting benefits. Run the race well. Verse 26, Therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I don't just run anywhere, with whatever I choose on the day. No, I, fight, I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I said this last week that you, like me, given this crisis that we're facing, might well be feeling like we were running along just fine and somehow the race around us has changed radically. It's like we're on a different race entirely. So what do we do? Do we just give up? Do we give in? Do we allow ourselves to drift off track? I think we can accept that our race has radically been transformed. The world as we know it is so different 
right now. I said last week, it's almost like we've gone from running on a tar road to running a steeplechase race. Remember, steeplechase is a long distance race. It has these hurdles that you have to overcome. These one meter high barriers that you need to get over. Four of them, just normal hurdles. And then every lap, there's a fifth one. When you clear the hurdle, you land in a water trap. And so as you run the race, it's a seven lap race, 28 dry jumps, seven wet jumps. Just as you get into your stride, another hurdle comes along. Just as you get used to the hurdles, another water hurdle comes along and again can knock you off your stride. Our world has changed. Our world has changed. And I wonder if you feel as though you've been knocked off your stride. Maybe you feel like your race has changed. Maybe you even feel as though you've been knocked out of your race entirely. We're all confronted by an uncertain future. So I wanted to speak on these two Sundays around how we run our race and keep on track, how we do well, given all of this. But you know, the truth is, is that life is full of these challenging moments. Yes, right now we face the corona crisis, but life is full of these moments. We all face these times. If we think about it, you might face a change in schooling. You may face your first job. Maybe you're a couple and have just had a first baby or have moved to a new place for the first time. Maybe you're facing financial crisis. So life is full of these moments where it feels like our race has changed. But you and I need to remember that Jesus Christ has set a race for us. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 139 that every single day that was ascribed to us God has planned even before the foundation of the world was created. And so Jesus has planned a race for you, my friend. He has set it out for you, tailor-made, specific just for you. Don't get knocked off course. Paul, on his last uh, ministry journey in Acts chapter 20, he's rushing towards Jerusalem. He knows that his time on earth is coming to an end. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 23... He gathers the Ephesian elders to him to talk to them for the last time. And obviously he could have said anything, but he concludes with this. The Bible tells us that they weep because he says he'll never see them again. And then he says in Acts chapter 20 verse 23, he says, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. And here he tells them his greatest goal in life. He says, my only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task that the Lord Jesus Christ has given me. The task of testifying to the, new, the good news of God's grace. So if we have been ascribed a race, last week we spoke about how we stay on track. Then I want to ask you this morning, then how should we run the race. We can't give up on the race. We are in a race. So then how should we run this race that God is giving us? Like I said, it's very all very well to be on the right freeway, but if you're going in the wrong direction, it's almost as, as bad as if you didn't turn up. Last week we looked at Zola Bud in the 1984 Olympics, and we saw how you can be in the middle of your race and something can go wrong. And before you know it, you're on your back, out of the race, needing to get yourself back up and get back on track again. Paul writes to the Galatians, and in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, he says to them, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you 
to keep you from obeying the truth. The Greek word, which our English uh, ascribes as cut in on you, um, can be translated like this. Uh, literally, it says, What influence has won you over? Or what influence seems likely to win you over? The message translation, the paraphrase of the Bible, puts it this way. You are running superbly, but who cut in on you, deflecting you from the true course of obedience? I want to ask you, how do we run well? How do we not be influenced off track or influenced to run in a way that's not going to get us to the end? What will deflect us off of our main path today? Well, first of all, we need to, if we want to run well and not be deflected, we need to run with perseverance. We read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Can I remind you not to run anybody else's race and not to expect someone else to run the race of your choosing, but rather let them run their race. Friend, there is a race for you to run. It's given you just by Jesus. Don't be distracted by someone else's race. Don't worry about them. Run your own race. The Bible says with perseverance. Someone has said that taking the path of least resistance is what makes rivers and men crooked. We should run the race marked out for us. Persevere. You might be feeling as though you're flagging today. I want to encourage you. Persevere. Run the race with perseverance. The second way that we run the race is we run it with personal sacrifice. There's no race winner that has ever made the final without personal sacrifice. Jim Elliott and a team of missionaries flew into part of the Amazon jungle to witness to Jesus Christ, to tribes that had never heard of Jesus. The sad thing is that as they touched down, as they got onto the banks of the river, the tribe came out from the, the forest and killed them instantly. And you might think, gee, he hadn't even preached a word. He hadn't even, even set up camp and he gave his life for the gospel. But you know, this man said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. There will be personal sacrifice required if we are to run our race well. God asks of Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now God had promised Abraham many descendants, but he had one son. So not only was God testing Abraham's obedience to God, but he was also testing Abraham's trust of his future in God's hands. Now I want to ask you this morning, will you serve at the master's pleasure? Will you run the race according to the way the coach tells you to run, not according to your ideas? If Jesus gave everything, he didn't even withhold his life. Will you and I run willing to embrace personal sacrifice for Jesus' sake that we run it well? How do we run our race? Well, the third way we run a race well is we should run it with partners. Do you have someone outside of your spouse, if you're married, that you can talk through the big decisions of life with? You know, especially if you're a decision maker in the workplace, if you manage a budget, if you manage a team, maybe it's even your business. If you're a business leader, it's so easy for us just to slip into making decisions over and over again without talking to anyone. I want to encourage you, you will stand a better chance of staying on the race if you have people in your life that you're able to talk through the big decisions about. 
That's why godly friends are so important. That's why being part of a life group here at Grace Cub is so important. Accountability will keep us on track. I would encourage you to find a deacon and an elder that you can speak about the deep things of your heart too, who can pray with you when you're facing big decisions. So we run the race of perseverance. We run the race of personal sacrifice. We run the race of partners. We also run the race, number four, for future pleasure. When we are looking for a, a reward too soon, we can get off track. The Bible says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross and sat down at the right hand of the Father. This week, JP, uh, in his devotion, reminded us to live with eternity in mind. It was a great one. I encourage you to check it out. Don't just run for this life, friend. Don't just run your race to make a buck at the end of the month. Don't just run the race to cope with the present, but run the race with eternity in mind. Jesus said to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would not say so. And you and I need to run a lifelong race to stay on track, to run well, that we will receive the great well done of the Father when we come to the end of our life. So how do we run our race? Number five, we run our race to the finish line. I'm sure you've watched these photo finishes where the guy gives up, he, he relaxes just before the finish line and someone else just gets his nose ahead and wins the race instead of him. I want to remind you, run your race till the end. The Bible says don't put your hand to the plow and then turn back. Remember, we run our race right till the finish line. I did ask you last week, but I uh, ask again, have we got unfinished business? Unfinished business with Jesus. Do you need to take some time and make sure you haven't left anything unfinished? What about with others, perhaps a family member? What about with the call of God? Don't give up on the race. Don't be like Colin from the lo lo loneliness of the long distance runner. Stop short for whatever reason and fail to cross the line. Run your race till the end. I trust that you are happy the way you're running. If you keep on running this race this way, if you'll get where you want to go. So how do we run the race, man? We run the race with perseverance. We run the race with personal sacrifice. We run the race right till the finish line. But then, as I've said, if we're running a steeplechase, there's going to be some hurdles. And we all know life is full of hurdles that we need to negotiate. We need to get over the barriers and keep on track. So how do we handle the hurdles that we know will come? Well, a man called Dr. John Deloney, who's a, um, a psychiatrist who works with Financial Peace University, he says it's entirely natural for us to be wrestling with perplexing emotions in this corona pandemic. And he says we need to give ourselves some space to be able to feel and go through the emotions as we're experiencing them. He said there's probably three common emotions that all of us are feeling. And you could say these would help us or hinder us getting over the hurdles of life. He says, first of all, there's fear. I mean, that's an obvious one. We're all a little concerned or a lot concerned about what to expect. The second thing he said is we're all in this fight or flight response. That's the hardwired built-in response for, for all of us. When, a, when danger comes, we either want to be aggressive and defend ourselves or we want to run away it's built in into our nature the problem is right now is who do we fight how do you fight a virus 
Equally, how do you run away when you're in lockdown? And even when we're no longer in lockdown, where do you run to to escape a virus? The third emotion that he said that we're all facing is uncertainty. And this is maybe one of the biggest uh, challenges that we can face, the biggest hurdles. I mean, if you've listened to the news, if you listen to any uh, official voice right now, they're all saying bigger and bigger statements of, our world has forever changed. Some people are saying, we'll never go back to the way things were. Can I remind you that though coronavirus pandemic is the biggest challenge, the biggest crisis that our generation has faced, there's been many crises over history and God has always brought us through. So even in this uncertain time, keep running. These crises can teach us lifelong lessons that will keep us on track until we get to the ultimate finish line. So how do we handle these hurdles that uh, Dr. D Dr. Deloney says that we will face? Well, first of all, we fight fear by managing what we can. I want to ask you, what's in your hand? Because often fear comes from a feeling of being out of control, of not being able to control my environment. Well, just think through this. What is in your control? What can you manage? What about your routine? You decide when you wake up in the morning. What about your dress habits? You decide whether you stay in your pajamas all day long and probably feel like a couch potato or whether you dress smartly and mentally push yourself into an active uh, mindset. What about your thoughts? The Bible says that we take our thoughts captive and you and I decide whether we can focus our thoughts, whether we be proactive. The second he says we fight fight or flight by connecting deep. When you make a deep connection with someone, via video or call or text, you realize that you're not alone. It helps us to normalize our perceived weakness or isolation. And so we realize that I'm not the only one feeling like this. So by connecting deep, it helps me understand I don't need to run and hide and I don't need to attack. Sometimes we take our emotions out on those around us. By connecting deep, we know we don't have to worry so much. How do we overcome uncertainty? Well, we do that by reaching out. Many of us are uncertain about our jobs and the, the country, the economy. There's so many things we're uncertain about. But you know, I can promise you there's a, a guaranteed effect. If you reach out to someone to encourage them proactively, I can guarantee the result that they will feel in their heart. And maybe after this meeting today, you want to get on the phone to a friend or a family member and just do your best. To sow into their lives because you know there will be a positive return. If you reach out, again, we're not so unsure of the outcome. And it gives us a sense of confidence that I'm still equipped with life-giving skills that I can make a benefit to those around us. And so we can run the race well, we can avoid the hurdles, but possibly the most important thing about running a race is that we finish well. And so my final point this morning is, how then do we finish? I'm going to play a video a little later about John Aquari, a Tanzanian man who was part of the 1968 Mexico Olympics. And early on in the marathon, he had a fall and he injured himself. But you know the amazing thing is he didn't give up. He continues to run and you can see the, the video. He said at the end when he made it to the, to the, final, uh, to the final line, he said, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to begin the race they sent me 5,000 miles to complete the race i'm encouraging you this morning keep on track so that you and i will finish 
the race. Colossians chapter 4 verse 17 introduces us to a man named Archippus. Now there's a name for anyone looking for a name for their son. Archippus in Colossians chapter 4 verse 17 Paul writes a letter and he says, Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you've received in the Lord. Now Archippus was a leader in that local church in Colossae. He would have been a captain of the cavalry in the Roman army as well. And he would have been someone that was part of the ministry team in that church. And could you imagine someone writing a public letter to the church, to Grace Cove, and singling you out and saying, Don't give up, make sure you finish your job. And so we wonder, why did Paul say that to him? Was he just being lazy and needed to be hurried up? Or what was going on? Well, there are three reasons that, that Paul could have said this to him. Maybe it was to urge Archippus not to get distracted from the task that God had given him. Maybe it was to endure, endorse Archippus. Maybe he was feeling a little uncertain if he was uh, uh, right to be doing that job. And Paul says, I'm telling you to do it. And the third one is maybe to encourage Archippus to keep up and not give, go, not give up, not uh, stop going. And maybe you need some urging this morning, some endorsing and some encouraging. I want to say God has given you a ministry as well. He's given you, in today's language, a race to run. I urge you, I encourage you to keep it running. Do you know that this task that we're given, some of the tasks are lifelong tasks. It speaks of the role that I carry or the call of God on my life. You know, I'll always be a father. My children's age might change, but I'll always be a father. I'll always be a husband. I'll always carry the gifting that God puts on me because the Bible says that he doesn't take those gifts away from us. When we talk about lifelong tasks, we talk about inheritance. We talk about the big picture. We talk about leaving a legacy. Some tasks are lifelong. Some tasks are just lap tasks. They're seasonal. They're circumstantial. I want to say that this right now is a lap task. We will get through this lap and there will be another one to come. It's circumstance directed and it might be like facing the next obstacle. But once we get over it, the circumstance changes. And then we face just little tasks. The non-glamorous, everyday, day-by-day, godliness tasks speaks of spiritual disciplines. It speaks of just the routine of life. It speaks about those unseen choices that you and I make to follow God that maybe no one else is aware of. The Bible says when we are faithful with the small things, God will give us charge over many things. So what's your task? You might say, I'm not Billy Graham. I don't have a great task. I want to say that you have been given the task that God intended for you to do. Stick it out. Don't lose your lifelong tasks. Be current in your lap tasks. Don't give up on the lap and be keeping on with the little tasks. You know, when I gave my life to Jesus, when he won me over and saved my soul, who would imagine I'd be in Pretoria today, leading Grace Cup Church, married to Colette, having two kids? Who would have thought that I would have got saved and become a deacon and all those years later end up in Gauteng, trying to figure out which way on the freeway to go. You know, if we just look at the finish, the end goal, it can be overwhelming. But also, if we just look at where we are running right now, we can lose sight of the call of God on our lives. I want to remind you today that we can't finish the race without finishing each and every lap. 
We can't finish the lap without finishing this straight or this turn that I'm part of. Hmm. We can't finish the, this portion of the lap if we don't make it over the hurdle or the water jump. I remember going to a lecture by a lady that had climbed Mount Kilimanjaro for the first time. And she said the hardest thing about summiting Mount Kili is getting out of your sleeping bag that morning. Will you with me determine to run this next stretch of the race in a way that's going to bring you closer to finishing your race? Run this next stretch and then the next one and the next one. Well, friends, this might be a scary season. But I want to remind you God has tailor-made this race for you and I. The finish line is secure. It might not be in sight, but it is sure. Run your race well. Run your race to the finish. Run the race to receive the great well done of God the Father. God bless you.